Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Thursday, March 25th edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. I'll be joined today by professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from BradPowersSports.com. We'll talk some college football, both FBS and FCS on today's show. Then take a look at the Sweet 16, probably hit all eight games here in rapid fire fashion. I'll maybe talk a little bit about what we could see for the Elite Eight. We'll see how much time we have at the tail end of today's show. Opening day is a week away. So if you have not picked up the 2021 MLB betting guide over at ATS.io or looked at the PDF that I've tweeted out multiple times here over the last few weeks, uh, you will not be fully prepared for the Major League Baseball season at least in my very biased opinion. So it's a very good time to do your baseball research, get all of that squared away before that season begins a week from today. I will be doing a daily picks article over at ATS.io for everybody to check out. And also too, right here on ATS Radio, I'll be doing the betters box twice a week on Mondays and Thursdays once this college basketball season is completely wrapped up. And once I wrap up uh, with my guests for the end of what has been uh, pretty interesting and pretty exciting football and basketball time period. Also over at ATS.io, got a preview of UFC 260 coming up this weekend. Uh, the golf tournament is going on. We've got thoughts on that. Picks and predictions from our talented cast of writers. Uh, YouTube videos on our ATS YouTube from Brian Blessing. Lots of stuff for you to check out all around the ATS platforms. And make sure you download that ATS app as well, which you can find in the Google Play Store or in the Apple Store. With that, we bring on today's guest. That is professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from BradPowersSports.com. And Brad, how's it going today, man? Man, it's going well. How you doing? I'm busy, man. I'm busy. I'm excited about the start of the baseball season, but you know how it is, man. This grind just never slows down. And, and with that in mind, uh, you know, you're taking some of your free time watching college football spring games already. <laughs> yeah, um, probably some were surprised at that, but I, you know, watched two over the weekend and, uh, you know, broke them down a little bit on Twitter, you know, some observations and thoughts. And, you know, do, do I get a lot out of spring games? No, but, you know, I, I get the most important things, the storylines, whether they got new coordinators, new quarterbacks. And then, you know, sometimes I do see a player or two that, you know, maybe I wasn't aware of that, that, that I really liked what I saw. So uh, I, I know, it's, you know, when you take out the commercials, it's 90 minutes. And I mean, it's, I guess, better than watching, you know, 90 Day Fiance or something. Oh, is that what you watch? Are no, no. I just tried to on? think. <laughs> I tried to think of something that is so like anti me, uh, you know, whether it's like the bachelor or something like that. I just, I see it trending on Twitter and a lot of guys that I follow and respect are tweeting about shows like that. I'm not doing that. I'm watching football. If they asked, would you go on the bachelor? No, I wouldn't do that. Are you kidding me? I just, <laughs> I think I'd have to, you know, <laughs> It'd be a different show. I'm just, I, I doubt they could find 20 girls that would be willing uh, to do that show with me. Ouch. All right. Well, I'll, I'll let you go ahead and uh, ice down your self-inflicted burn there as, as we kind of <laughs> move forward. But, 
you know, I think it is important if, if that's, you know, what you want to do, because one of the things that we've talked about before and, and no offense to your former employer, Phil Steele, but you know, a lot of these places that do these preseason magazines and publications and all of that, they can't really be honest. They can't really be forthright or be critical because it's really about, you know, having the ability to reach out to these coaches. It's about having those lines of communication open. So you can't really criticize to the same degree that maybe you would because you don't want that coach to freeze you out. You know, you have to have that level of access. So getting a chance to actually watch this for yourself, kind of having that unbiased opinion, I think is something that you've relied on in the past, something I know that you've used to help with your own personal handicapping. And you know, it's, it's not a bad thing to, to get your eyes on something to see if there are areas of need for these teams where, you know, coaches may not be forthright, may not be honest with the people that are writing those preseason magazines, but you can take an honest assessment based on what you've seen. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better. I, I, I just want to make money. I don't care about anything else, you know, whether that coach I'm really friendly with texts me or whatnot. I just, I, and actually I appreciate a lot of the coaches that are very candid and forthright. I mean, Lane Kiffin comes to mind, a guy that's not afraid, you know, Mike Leach. And just, that's why I appreciate the coaches that are candid and aren't, you know, catering to, you know, the media sort of say, but yeah, I, I do like watching with my own eyes. And obviously I also have time in the summer. I go back and watch games from, from a year ago and see what I missed, but uh, as they say, tape don't lie. So uh, that's why I do take the time to, to watch as many as I can. Well, and something else I like too is that, you know, you were kind of talking about some of the guys that impressed you. And, and again, make sure you follow Brad on Twitter at Brad Powers and the number seven. You were talking about some of the guys that impressed you, some of the things that were being done differently. But what I really liked looking at was you, know, you talked about some of the line play, the offensive and defensive line play. And I think that's something that's really important if you get a chance to watch that. And obviously, look, I mean, these teams have five months to fix these things before they play actual games. But you, know, you start talking about what you're seeing, you know, physically with the lines. Are they big? Are they strong? Is one side dominating the other side? Something like that. There's no substitute for being able to look at things like that on video or film. Absolutely. And maybe it's just my background where I had, you know, season tickets to end zone seats where I've watched, been able to watch football from a different perspective, you know, starting out young, but yeah, I, I think I, you know, it's easier in a spring game where, the, you know, you're not following the ball. You don't have to follow the ball. Who cares? Sort of say that I can isolate on the line of scrimmage much more than I can on an individual game. And I'll say one more thing. What also helps is if you have a really good announcing crew for a spring game that have done their homework, done film study, maybe we're at a couple practices uh, before the spring game. That is vital. I mean, I can tell so easily, you know, people are just showing up and broadcasting the game compared to other people that are maybe like an insider sort of say, and can really break down the team. Uh, So that is always important to me. If I I get, you know, the actual play-by-play announcer or or one of the analysts that, and it obviously also helps if they're they're very forthright and can be honest about the program, but uh, the, the level of coverage really is disparate and you like, I'll just, I'm not afraid to throw it out there. I mean, I had very disparate, uh, results already from the two games I watched uh pac 12 network is a shit show but one thing they do about as well as anybody they do these spring games well and one guy in particular Yogi Roth who breaks down film and he's very positive he's not very critical but man he he finds a lot of jewels uh guys that you never heard of that that he likes from you know high school tape or practice tape 
he breaks it down and you can tell he eats, sleeps and breathes Pac-12 football where you don't say that much about anybody else. And then the Missouri spring game, you can just tell it was a couple broadcasters that, you know, just, you know, I'm not saying that they were there to get a paycheck, but they didn't have as much inside information and didn't go as in-depth on the individual players. So a lot of times you're at the mercy of the announcing crew as well. Well, and of course, too, I mean, you know, I know people are probably wondering why we're talking FBS college football with the Sweet (laughs) 16 going on. But again, you know, these win total markets probably open up within the next three weeks or so, I would say. You know, maybe and magazines will be out in May. I mean, we're, yeah. we're at the end of March. So we're talking a little, you know, five, six weeks. I mean, five, six weeks from now, the market, I mean, it's going to be, obviously you're a baseball guy and that's going to be critical, but uh, you know, after the NCAA tournament and you get a month of spring games, I mean, May is when it starts now. I mean, it's for guys like myself. I mean, it's officially kind of football season at that point. Yeah, I mean, football, whether it's college football or the NFL, 365 days a year and 366 if it's a leap year, you know, that you get the NFL draft coming up and then you're going to get win totals for that. You know, now that yep. uh, the free agent period is kind of wound down a little bit, you know, look, I mean, this is this is just the nature of the beast here in this business. So if you want to play win totals or something in the futures market, something like that, it is imperative at this time of the year with whatever free time you may have that you're not using on college basketball or NBA or any of the other sports that's going on, you know, if you want to be ready for these things, they are coming very, very quickly to say the least. And before we move on to the FCS side of things, one way to be prepared, one shortcut that you so generously provide all of (laughs) us in this space here is that spring guide that you have over at bradpowersports.com. And like we talked about last week, it is exceptional. Well, thank you. Uh, hopefully that's an unbiased opinion there. Like we were talking about, not afraid to be critical. And if you want to, that's fine. But, uh, I do think it's a good jumping off start, uh, as far as if you want to start taking a peek now, I will say this, cause I mean, a lot of people on Twitter asked me about certain power ratings. That is a first draft of a power rating. I, I mean, come on now most of these teams haven't even gone through spring. Uh, now will I be adjusting a team 10 points off of that? No, unless, you know, an all American quarterback is hurt or a head coach leaves. So, I mean, I'm not going to be adjusting them too much, but you know, a lot of times I'll adjust a team a point or two type of thing, uh, as we go through spring and the summer. But, uh, yeah, if you want win totals, power ratings, strength of schedule, you just want all the team schedule with a, with a projected line on every single game. If you want all that in one spot, download the spring guy. It's free. Bradpowersports.com. Well, we got spring football here, not just with the practice games, but with the FCS, as we've been talking about here a lot throughout these shows. And, you know, the FCS marketplace is interesting, to say the least. You know, (laughs) there was a lot more excitement for it early on. You've got some books now that really aren't even worried about posting it. They're just more concerned with the Sweet 16 and everything else that's going on. But, uh, you know, anything, we kind of do a market update each and every week here on the show. Anything kind of stand out to you about things that are going on in the marketplace? Anything new that, you know, is, is meriting attention? Uh, this week in particular, there's a lot of COVID cancellations, which you would expect those to actually dwindle, but that's not the case. Uh, you know, underdogs has still been very profitable, 61% for the, the spring season so far. Uh, scoring has been up. That, that's one thing where we're trending, where scoring was way down the first few weeks. We're starting to see a little bit more offensive efficiency from teams. Uh, where, where the over, I think it was the first time all spring. Actually, if you blindly bet the over, 
uh, on every game, you would have actually shown a slight profit. That's the first time that's happened. And I, I don't think it's all the, the market, you know, finally or maybe over adjusted the totals. I just think from a scoring aspect, you're finally starting to see some offenses click. You know, another thing that I would say, we're starting to get to that point where there's just a, you know, three, four weeks left of the regular season before we get to the playoffs. And now you're starting to see teams where, you know, they've either overachieved and they're really excited about playing in the spring and everything's well, or you have other teams that are banged up, beat up, and we finally had our first team opt out of the rest of the season in Illinois state. They're banged up. Uh, they have underachieved so far. And I think you're probably going to get more of that as we move along the next few weeks. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, do you, do you feel like motivation is going to start coming into question? Yeah, I do. Where, you know, you, you got some of these teams and also too, I mean, let's think about this, that these teams will be right back on the field in crazy you know, five months time for actual games and shorter than that, of course, for, summer camps, two a days, all that kind of thing. So you know, you may have some teams where they're just kind of going, you know what, we, we got to play again soon. And, you know, either that leads to a lack of motivation or maybe some of these coaches may start looking at some of the younger players that are in the program, yep. something like that. That could very much be a possibility going forward. Couldn't have said it better myself. I do expect that to be the case. And if you're reading up and, and doing the homework, uh, you can <laughs> take advantage of it, hopefully. Well, and there are some kids that are already committed to transferring to FBS programs, right? Yeah, the one that I've been talking about, probably one of the biggest stories so far this spring, if you've been really in the weeds on it, VMI is having like their best season in 40 years. And a lot of it has to do with their quarterback, which incredibly, I can't believe Maryland is allowing this, but uh, I mean, he's going to be at Maryland in the fall, but they allowed him to play at VMI to finish it out here in the spring. And that's a team that's very excited about, you know, what's happening, what's going on. Uh, so yeah, I mean, some of these guys will end up transferring out to, to FBS programs. I, I, I can't say it enough. I mean, I'm sure coaches, I know if I was a coach and my team was getting a little bit banged up, I don't blame guys for opting out the rest of the season. I mean, you're, you're playing six games or, or so, maybe even in some cases more. And then all of a sudden you, you got to play a 12 game schedule, uh, in September. I mean, I just, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what it does to the FCS in the fall, even more so than, than not the rest of the spring. And it's not like these are deep rosters. I mean, they're not nearly as they're deep not. as FBS rosters are. So, you know, that's definitely something to kind of look at long-term here and kind of consider as we head on into the fall. But as far as this week goes, what is this? FCS spring week seven, I believe. Seven, if you count the opening week game. Okay, so week seven here and. There was one game that jumped off the page to me at first, and you and I talked about this before we started recording, so I'm glad you set the record straight for me. But I looked at this game on Saturday. First game on the board, game 901-902, San Diego and Presbyterian. This is an 8 a.m. kickoff for a San Diego team traveling cross-country to Clinton, South Carolina, which is where Presbyterian College is. I'm sure everybody listening to the show today knew that, so you know if that's ever a trivia question for you, I'm glad you'll be able to get that one. But San Diego's laying 18 here with this early morning start. And I sat there and I thought to myself, why the hell is San Diego going all the way to, you know, bum F South Carolina to play a game? And you mentioned to me, these two teams are actually in the same conference. They are. So San Diego's in a conference. It's called the Pioneer League where everybody's an East Coast team or at least East or Midwest outside of San Diego. So they're always traveling. They're always used to it. I mean, you're talking about teams like 
you know, Dayton, who's not playing the spring, but still, I mean, people know where that's at. You know, Valparaiso's in Indiana, Butler, Moorhead State's that, you know, down south on the East Coast there, you know, Drake, Stetson, all these teams are, are East East Coast and Midwest teams. And yet you got San Diego in it. And you're probably asking, well, how does San Diego do? How about this? San Diego's won 39 consecutive games in this conference. That's an all-time record. Forget just a pioneer. That's the record for any FCS conference. 39 consecutive uh, wins in the conference. I will say, I think you're, if I had to lean, even though my power rating says San Diego is the play here, just stylistically, their offense struggles. It's tough for them to get margin, even though they have an elite defense. And I'm not really high on Presbyterian this year, but I, I would lean Presbyterian. But before you jump all in and say, hey, man, I got to take Pre- Presbyterian here because of, you know, the maybe unique situation. It's not unique. San Diego's used to doing it and they've been do- doing it well. It is. It is crazy. I mean, that's, that's insane to me. And, and as somebody who's, you know, following this to the degree of, of doing the show with you every Thursday, you know, it, it's just nuts to me to think that these two teams are playing each other so early in the morning and that for San Diego, like it may not be that much of a detriment. It's just kind of normal for them. Um, not something that I would have thought about, you know, any other season, but you know, certainly not something I would have thought about until you and I discussed it here. What about the rest of the card for Saturday? Any games stand out to you? Anything you've played where the number is still kind of in range? Yeah, the one that's still in range that I really like, probably my top play right now is Missouri State, plus 10.5 at home against Southern Illinois. Uh, for starters, Missouri State was a team I isolated that I thought was going to be much improved. Keep in mind, coming into this spring season, Missouri State in their previous 19 games were 1-18 straight up. Uh, they went 0-3 in the fall. But, I mean, they lost two very competitive games to Central Arkansas, uh, a top 25 caliber FCS team. And they pretty Missouri State probably should have won both of them. They were minus eight combined turnovers in those two games. And then they got blown out by Oklahoma. So that was their first three games under a new head coach. You might have heard his name, Bob Petrino. Uh, when you get him off the motorcycle, the guy can actually coach a little bit, especially when you compare him to these other FCS coaches. Uh, and they brought in a bunch of transfers. The talent level is way up. And, you know, after going 1-18 their previous 19 games, you got a Missouri State team right now. And in, in the toughest conference in the FCS, the Missouri Valley, they're 3-1 and one so far this spring. And they've upset a couple of ranked teams already. And, and I kind of thought, hey, this is a team that's 1-18 that at the very least is going to be an average FCS team. And right now, if we're going off pure power ratings, they're a borderline top 25 team. That's a stark dif- uh, difference. And the other part of the handicap here is a fade against a Southern Illinois team that's really banged up. Uh, they have been playing well in the spring, but they lost their starting quarterback. And last week they just got d- dump trucked 44 to three. Most people say, hey, that's the outlier. That's by far their worst performance. I'm thinking it could be more of the same here uh, because, you know, they're down a bunch of linemen on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Again, they're down to a backup quarterback. You already admitted it, and I fully agree. These aren't deep rosters. you got 20 less scholarships than an FBS roster. And uh, I I think Missouri State, not only plus 10.5 is good, but I wouldn't be a bit surprised they win the game outright. Man, you know, it's so crazy to look up and down this board where you've got North Dakota State, a three-touchdown favorite against South Dakota in a game with a total basically in the 43-and-a-half range. Drake and Stetson is a 17-point spread, effectively, 16-and-a-half, with a total of 36. (laughs) You've got a game on Sunday here, Sacred Heart 
and Wagner, 13 and a half Sacred Heart favored, 37 the total. I mean, if we ever saw anything like this at the FBS level, it'd be an automatic insta bet on the dog, just yeah. you know, simply by the correlation of of the spread and the total there. But it, it's it's just a different kind of animal here in in the FCS level. Well, it's not a liquid market, Adam. So if you're wondering, hey, well, what's going on? Why are the underdogs cashing so much? Well, a lot of it is just you know how the, the market is. Uh, you know, you just brought broke it down. I mean, I'll just if you're blindly betting the under so far, you're like 55 percent. So you already have lower scoring, to, lower totals on average, much lower than the FBS level. So limited compressed scoring as it is. And yet they're still going under the total at a 55 percent rate. So, I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist or a head cashier at Walmart to figure out that, of course, you got suppressed scoring and you still have a lot of you know double digit favorites on the board. I mean, you shouldn't be shocked that a lot of the dogs are covering at a 60-plus percent rate so far. Anything else on the FCS card you're taking a look at before we move to the Sweet 16? Yeah, you know, the other one that I gave out that hasn't moved too much, I bet like 15 picks. And I told my customers, I'm like, look, I can't run a service giving out 15 picks. I mean, most of you can't handle the bankroll. Most of you only want a couple picks a week. And then, you know, it doesn't take much. I mean, tough giving out picks when, you know, within 15, 20 minutes, the spread can move three points, you know, maybe even a point, point and a half off, off your own personal bet. Just one bet can move the market that much. So it is difficult to run a service and give out a lot of picks because the, the lines move so quickly. One that I think the line's going to drop uh, is Youngstown State, North Dakota. And I know you're going to say, wow, I mean, Youngstown State's, you know, pretty pathetic. They're one and four so far. North Dakota's been red hot, but they did just lose their last game last week against North Dakota State. Uh, I, I just, I, this is another one where you got a double digit underdog with a low total of 42 and a half, a Youngstown State defense, as much as they've struggled on offense, their defense has been there all year. They're only allowing 21 points per game. Tough to get, cover a double digit point spread when you got a defense in Youngstown State that doesn't give up much. And I think Youngstown State with a first year coach finally starting to figure it out. You know, I'll give credit to my former employer. They do a, a nice job. They give out like a game grade. They have all the, they have the entire box score on their FCS team pages and they give a game grade, you know, according to what the final was, the, you know, the, the, the yards per play, the yards per game, you know, what's the game grade on that one for an individual team. And the last three weeks, Youngstown state has been improving every single game from a game grade aspect makes sense with a first year coach, this Youngstown state team that I want to play on the rest of the season. I think North Dakota after, you know, their unbeaten streak, they kind of were humbled last week against North Dakota State. I'm not sure that they're, you know, really amped up here to to go out and blow out a Youngstown State team, even if they're capable of it. I'm, I'm not sure that they're highly motivated here. So Youngstown State Penguins here plus 12 looks good to me. All right, let's move over to the Sweet 16 side of things here. And, you know, I hope our listeners are taking something out of the FCS stuff. You know, I know it's I hope not so. everybody's I'm favorite animated. market. But, yeah, you are animated. You're excited. You've been beating the closing number significantly here on the season so far. So, yeah, hopefully the listeners like something that's a little bit of a change of pace. Uh, I certainly do. You know, it's nice to to not sit here and talk nothing but college basketball at this time of the year. And you know, the NBA is just, it, it's not a market that really interests me a ton. And with this being my show and kind of deciding what it is that I want to do, you know, we don't talk a whole lot of NBA on the program, but we do talk a lot of college basketball and we will talk about these sweet 16 games here. And let's go ahead and just sort of talk first and foremost, before we get into these games specifically, just your impressions of of the tournament so far, of what we've seen, 
of, you know, whether you want to take that in the direction of conferences that have done well and those that haven't. Uh, just, you know, overall, what you saw in the first and second rounds. Well, first thing I'll say is, you know, it, non-conference action is important. Uh, so, I mean, not many of us saw that the Pac-12, you know, was capable of doing what they've done so far. I think they, what they're up to 9-1 and one against the spread. Uh, and those nine covers are, you're not talking a lot of fortunate covers in that mix. I mean, we're talking significant covers in almost all nine of those covers that they've had, the Pac-12. I mean, you just, you didn't, you had a very limited non-conference season. So it was tough to judge individual conferences when you're basically the first time you're playing significant non-conference games or this tournament where I'm on the coin flip on the opposite side of the coin is the big 10 who, you know, myself included in the market thought was the best conference in college hoops. And obviously I've really been a big disappointment so far, the tournament. So that would be a big thing where it, maybe it's made it difficult where I haven't had a great tournament so far. Uh, that was maybe a, a big missing piece of data that, that we had uh, that we didn't that for this particular season. And then overall, I mean, I'll say this, I've, I've been filling out brackets for 25 years. I think it's the first time I've been out this early. I mean, I'm out. I had Illinois win it all. That's, that's never happened to me. I lose my national champ in the second round. And I, I know we'll get to the game here in a little bit, but I thought if Loyola Chicago could replicate that performance, that, you know, then they're, I mean, they're going to the final four and maybe even the championship game. And we'll see if they're playing against Aga. But I mean, there was nothing fluky about that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'll say I, I can't believe my bracket's done. I mean, there's always upsets, Adam, but I, I usually still have my national champ going in well into the sweet 16. Well, and that was something you and I talked about before we started recording here is that five of these eight games this week in the sweet 16 have lines of six and a half or higher. And look, I mean, you know, the Cinderella stories are great. Chaos is awesome, whatever. It's fun for the first four days of the tournament, but then this is what you get. And of course, you know, one of the games is Villanova and Baylor. That's got a number now up to seven and a half. So that just kind of is what it is. It would be probably six-ish, maybe six and a half if Gillespie was there. But, you know, okay, fine. That's a number one against a five. Sure, you're going to get those. But, you know, we've got several double-digit seeds here in the Sweet 16. Um, you know, we're missing a number one seed in Illinois. We've got what people perceive to be a weak number one seed in Michigan. That's only a two-and-a-half-point favorite, and that number – is threatening to go down even further. So, you know, the, the chaos is cool, but at the same time, you know, we're not getting the best of the Sweet 16 games here that we could have gotten. One thing that I want to mention real quickly is, and I don't have the exact number in front of me, maybe you know it off the top of your head or maybe you've seen it somewhere, but first half unders were oh, just yeah. oh, printing money over the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament, specifically in that first round. I think the first day they were, you know, undefeated on the first half under uh, I'd be curious to see if the books adjust to that next year, if that was just an outlier, but that was something that definitely caught me over the first four days of the tournament. Well, they certainly started adjusting it this year. Uh, I'll say this. I'm glad you brought that up. It is, it was, and it makes sense. I don't care if it's a COVID season or not. It just makes sense in general uh, that teams are a little, you know, and you know, maybe I'll have to maybe do some homework and see, how I'm guessing it's 55% long-term, uh, but it's something that if you're handicapping it regularly, that you probably just, you know, back of the mind, you forget about it. Uh, I wrote it down to, to look to take advantage of it next year's tournament. 
I'm not saying that it's, you know, a great bet the rest of this year because, you know, once teams have already played and, and they kind of got those butterflies out of the way, I don't think it's as big of a deal um, the, the rest of the tournament. But certainly the, 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 the two days of the opening first round, I think under first half makes a lot of sense. I mean, I typically like betting unders, period. But, yeah, obviously the, the thing that really, you know, hurts you sometimes is late late fouling because it's winner go home and the team's got a, you know, if you got a five, six, seven point margin and the team wants to stay in it in the final 90 seconds, <laughs> you get a lot of, you know, becomes a, a free throw fest and uh, your total sometimes can go out the window, even if you're covering by significant margin, but it was significant enough and, and something that I don't think was much of an outlier, Adam, that I wrote it in my note, pasted it on my computer uh, that I next March first round, I got to look at first half unders. Well, and I think there are a lot of reasons why you mentioned the butterflies. There's kind of a feeling out process because you're playing yeah. a team that you don't play, you know, and, and also too, you're coming out of playing nothing but conference play basically. So you're familiar with the styles of all of those teams. You probably get a little bit comfortable with the styles of all those teams. And that's something I've talked about on, on both Tuesday and Wednesday's shows here this week with regards to the big 10. The Big Ten's lost the turnover battle in a lot of games here, and it's a big reason why there's one Big Ten team left out of the nine that actually made this tournament, and it's a conference where nobody turns the ball over and nobody forces turnovers. So now all of a sudden you get into a situation in March where you're uncomfortable. You know, you're playing a team that either forces them or maybe plays a defense you haven't seen or something like that, and the Big Ten teams just weren't adaptable enough. They didn't adjust. And that's something that, you know, maybe we need to carry over into future months of March here is, you know, just a different style of play, a style of play you haven't seen for a long period of time. If you come from a conference where a lot of teams play a very different brand of basketball, I think that's actually beneficial to you as opposed to the Big Ten where, you know, yeah, you have different efficiency metrics and and maybe some teams play at a slightly different tempo. But by and large, you know, those teams are boilerplate. You know, it's just a matter of what kind of talent you put into that lineup. Couldn't have said it better myself. And, and, you know, a conference that I think is kind of up and coming because they've hired a bunch of good coaches, but there's drastic styles uh, of play. SEC's a conference you want to look at. I mean, it's basically been Kentucky and everybody else for the last 20, 25 years, but because of some good coaching hires and and contrasting uh, styles of play, I mean, I think that conference moving forward probably be better adept uh, at, at handling different types of offenses and defenses that they see uh, the SEC that that's a conference that uh, I think is going to be undervalued. Well, and, and maybe to a degree, that's why the PAC 12 has had success. You know, you bring in a guy like Mick Cronin who plays yeah. a very different style of play, not only than what UCLA used to play, but really what a lot of teams in that conference play Andy Enfeld, you know, different guy at USC comes over, has pretty immediate success. We saw obviously how flexible Dana Altman can be. You know, with what oh, he's he did tremendous, the most underrated coach in the country. Just, just, just brilliant. He's just a brilliant coach. And then you've got, you know, I think Colorado is a team that had yep. a good bit of upside. You know, you've got all these different kinds of teams in the Pac-12, and in the Big Ten, I just kind of look at them, and everybody feels the same. You know, just with different levels of talent. And I think maybe that is something that did hold the conference back here uh, for this year's March Madness. But with that, let's go ahead and dive into these Sweet 16 games here. We'll try to hit all eight of them in fairly rapid-fire fashion. Beginning with the first game here on Saturday, Oregon State, Loyola, Chicago. 
We're seeing sevens pop on the board now for this one with money coming in on the Ramblers. Total 125 and a half. And you know, we talk about looking for context clues in the betting market, Brad. And anytime I see a favorite going up with a low total or a total that yeah. has kind of gone down, that says a lot to me. Yeah, but with that said, I mean, you know, believe it or not, in ba- I know everyone talks in football, key number three and seven, key number in basketball, a lot of times five, seven, obviously two and three. But uh, I, if it goes above seven for me with two very slow tempo teams, we're talking two teams in the 300s as far as tempo. I just I, I am not built to lay the points w- w- with the favorite with that, that kind of tempo going on. With that being said, uh, if Loyola Chicago can replicate anything near what they did against Illinois, I mean, they're a top two, three team in the entire country. So, I mean, I'll have a dead Oregon state ticket here. If that's the type of efficiency we get from Loyola Chicago, what we just saw on Sunday. I will say this, you know, I, I like Loyola here. I think seven is getting a little bit expensive. You know, this oh, one was you. six for a little bit, I believe right after it opened, uh, but then pretty much gotten six and a half yesterday. Yeah, I mean, there's there's still six and a halfs out there to be sure. And I did take a piece of Loyola at six and a half. And for me, I just think it's one of those things where not only do I trust Porter Moser more, but Oregon State goes on this awesome run, this very unexpected run at that. And now for five days, they have to sit around and wait for this game. And for me, and I wrote about this, I actually did a preview for this game over at bangthebook.com uh, here this morning. For Loyola Chicago, if they had to come back two days after beating Illinois, I would have faded them because they beat big brother. They beat a number one. They beat a really good team that a lot of people thought had, you know, final four aspirations, if not the chance to win at all. As you said, you picked Illinois in your bracket. If Loyola had to come back right away and play that game, I don't think I would like them, but because they have time and Oregon state instead has time to cool off a little bit, I think, I think just situationally, I kind of like Loyola here with, you know, extra time for Moser to decipher what the Beavers are going to do. And just simply the fact that Oregon State is not as good as they've played the last two, three weeks. I agree with that. They're not. But I mean, like we talked off at the top, I mean, I'm I'm having troubles fading the Pac-12 right now. It could be the conference just, you know, maybe Oregon State's entire body of work now. Maybe you give them you know, you don't knock them as much for losing a bunch of games in the conference with the conference being so good. And maybe, I mean, the UCLA game in the opening round was kind of fluky uh, that they came from behind 16 and won the game in overtime. But it's not like they, I mean, they beat up Oregon from start to finish, an Oregon team that I love uh, and have for a while. And then there was nothing fluky about their two tournament wins, Adam. I mean, they, they controlled matters against Tennessee and Oklahoma State, and especially Oklahoma State was a red hot team with, uh, you know, one of the best players in the country. I guess that's where my pushback is. You know, I could see if it was fluky, uh, but, but I mean, right now Oregon state's playing (laughs) their last five games against a really good conference. And even against two solid teams in the NCAA tournament, I don't know what more you could ask of them. Are you taking Oregon state plus seven? Yeah. See, I I'm big talk all that. Yeah. I lean that way. I want seven and a half for a bet. Okay. Well, I, I mean, I know, I, can, I know I can. I know I numbers can... matter. You laid six and a half. I want seven and a half. It's seven. You know, you're, you're still you're still comfortable with loyal Chicago. I'm leaning Oregon State. I mean, folks, numbers matter, especially with tight lines in the tournament. 
Well, I was just going to say, I mean, I can eat for free for a month off of you in Vegas with all the side bets we've made. Yeah, I already I owe, owe you a couple dinners. Like but no, I don't feel like, you know, paying, you know, it's 2025 and I'm still trying to, you know, <laughs> catch up. Right? Let's try to get this, you know, my debt paid off here this year. All right, that's fine. We'll work <laughs> on that instead. All right, the next game here for the Sweet 16, a good one, Baylor and Villanova, but Baylor up to seven and a half here in this total has pretty consistently gone up day by day, now sitting as high as 142 out there in the marketplace. Now, I don't think the over money really surprises anybody no. because Baylor has not played well defensively since their COVID pause. But with that in mind, does Baylor going up to seven and a half surprise you here? Uh, crossing through seven a little bit, but I mean, it really depends. I mean, did the light switch finally come on for Baylor after the COVID pause? This is a team that, that, you know, hasn't been as good as what they were, you know, when they were 17 and 0 and started out the season, then clearly at, at the very least, the second best team in the country. And a lot of people at that time were thinking that they were better Gonzaga just because the competition in the big 12 had been better, but man, they, they looked really good against Wisconsin. That, that was by far, in my opinion, their best performance since the, the, the COVID uh, pause that they had for three weeks there in February. And I, I, I'm going to lean Villanova here, but that that Wisconsin performance, you know, to, to me gives me, you know, gives me a little bit of pause. This is a tough one because I, I did like Baylor a little bit. I, I just, you know, to me, the problem, there are two problems here. The first is Scott Drew versus Jay Wright. <laughs> you think? That's a big problem for me. I mean, when you look at this Baylor team, they've had some very good teams that have wound up with disappointing outcomes in the NCAA tournament. Now, this is the first time they've been a number one seed under Scott Drew, so there is that. But this is a team that's had disappointments not only in the NCAA tournament, but in the Big 12 tournament, too. So as the stakes get higher, whether it's Drew or his players, whatever the case may be, this team shrinks a little bit. So I liked him at six and a half, and then I started thinking about it, and I'm like, man, I, I, I can't advise laying anything higher than that because I just don't know if this team plays to its ceiling in a game of this magnitude. So then I even start thinking about it. Is Villanova first half worth a play here plus four? Because I've got to think that Jay Wright will have a good game plan here. And this is the kind of game where the loss of Colin Gillespie can show up. And I think yep. it could show up in the second half of this one if Baylor you know, adjusts and plays well and all of that. But the more I thought about it, where you know, I kind of had this Baylor six and a half lean, did like the over, but that's kind of pricing me out a little bit now too. I don't know if I have anything on this game that I really want to play now. Yeah, because I'm, I'm going to give you a pro Baylor thing, and it's mainly the schedule for Villanova. I mean, they have they played really an elite team? You know, Creighton's probably their best team that they played all season. Uh, you know, I guess Texas, if we're talking about, you know, comparing – you know, the, the team that the Baylor's played, but since Gillespie's went out these last four games, I know they won their last two, but they haven't played anybody in the top 50 of my power ranks, Providence, Georgetown, even though Georgetown was playing well to close, but I mean, in the NCAA tournament, Winthrop and North Texas doesn't necessarily move <laughs> the needle too much. I just got done saying, Hey, Oregon state's actually beaten some really good teams and gotten some margin on them. Villanova beating Winthrop and North Texas doesn't move the needle much for me. So that, that is a major concern that, that like you mentioned, the Gillespie injury might, as much as it showed up in those first two games without him, it might really show, especially in the second half here. So I'm kind of, you're talking me into it. If I'm going to play Villanova first half makes sense to me. 
Yeah, that's the only thing I could think of where, you know, I mean, I, I just expect Jay Wright to be very well prepared. I, he's he's great. I mean, he's a brilliant head coach. And, you know, Villanova's made runs, you know, and they've had the talent certainly to do so, but they've made runs. Baylor's had talent too, and, and they've struggled to make runs. Yep. So, I don't know. I think it's a great game. I think it's a very fascinating game to talk about. I just don't know if there's a lot of betting opportunity in that game where the side in total currently stand and, and kudos to anybody that got over 139 because i think that's probably the best play uh, of that game there oral roberts in arkansas game 623 624 is the 725 tip off arkansas laying 11 159 the total these two teams played earlier in the year arkansas won by 11 game fell on 163 so the total a little bit lower here than what that first game produced but anything that you could play in this one I don't expect to be involved on this one. Uh, number one, I just, I'm not, and I think Chris Felica had a good stat on it. I mean, double digit favorites in the sweet 16 round aren't great. Uh, big negative. So to me that that's, you know, preventing me from, you know, taking Arkansas here, but I really, you know, 15 seed uh, that's getting celebrated. You know, you talk about Oregon state. I think it's more with Oral Roberts. I mean, they're talk of the country for, for five days. I just, I and the way Arkansas plays, I could see him running them out. No, really, no play for me. Uh, I know we'll, we'll see. I know a lot of people don't want to play an over on a big total here, but uh, we'll see how if the market continues to go down, I might take a, a little bit of a piece on the over here if the the number continues to drop. Yeah, there, there's so much that goes into this handicap. Where you know, I talked about Oregon State and how I think that the downtime is a detriment for them. You could make the same case for Oral Roberts. I mean, they had to go through a win the Summit League tournament was the only way that they were getting in. Then they win those two games in in pretty close emotional fashion over Ohio State and Florida where, you know, I mean, is the layoff good for them because they're so driven by A. Smith and O'Banner that those two guys get a few days off and, you know, can kind of reset, you know, uh, hydrate, whatever it is that they need to do. That benefits them. But at the same time, you know, in watching Arkansas, there are so many ways this team can score and so many guys that can do yeah. it that that's what worries me. If either Asmus or O'Banner is off for Oral Roberts, they can lose this game in very big fashion. If both of those guys are on, they can keep it close. And to me, at this time of the year with baseball coming up and all the other things that are going on, I don't have to gamble. You know, I, I don't have to make that gamble. Mm, so good point. I, I don't think this is a game that I'm playing either. I couldn't have said it better just because it's there, just because it's isolated and you only got 15 college, big time college basketball uh, games to bet on the rest of the season. Doesn't necessarily mean that you got to always have money on it. I will say this though. I do like the next game, Syracuse and Houston, Houston laying six buck 40 on the total here. I will get your thoughts first before I regurgitate the thoughts I've had the previous two days on this game already. Uh, I'm leaning under probably, you know, one of my favorite totals uh, of the sweet 16 round. I know you're probably expecting me to take a side, but no, I kind of like the over, I mean, the unique style of defense uh, that Syracuse runs and then an extremely slow tempo for Houston. I think 140, in my opinion is a little too high. Uh, so I, I really like uh, under 140. I'm interested. I mean, if I had to take a side, I'd probably lean Syracuse, but you know, you give Calvin Sampson, you know, a week to prepare for it. I think, you know, it's not going to be a huge disadvantage uh, like it would for others, but uh, I would lean Syracuse, but I prefer the under. No, that's fair. I think the under makes a lot of sense here because one of the reasons why I want to fade Syracuse in this game. Oh, here we go. 
they're shooting 50% from three in this tournament against San Diego State and West Virginia. And look, they're a you know decent three-point shooting team, 35.1%, ranks 105th in the country, according to Bart Torvik. But I mean, this is a team at 61 for 141 in their last five games. I mean, this is not going to continue. And, and I hope that it ends here. They've given up 11 threes to each of their last three opponents too. So, you know, they've just been able to outscore the opposition a little bit from that three-point line. But Houston, I mean, Houston's long. They're good. They're tops in the country in effective field goal percentage defense. And that offensive rebounding edge is just way too much for me to overlook here in this game. Houston, number two in the country in offensive rebounding percentage. Syracuse, number 339 in offensive rebounding percentage against. Even if Houston doesn't shoot it well, they're getting high percentage second chance looks at the rim. And I think they're the kind of team that cashes in on them. I like Houston here minus six. I know it's very dangerous to go against Bayheim and Syracuse and what this team does every year. They are on the bubble and then they get in the tournament and they make life hell for somebody and people don't want to fade them. You know what? I'm going to do it. And if I lose, so be it. They ain't shooting 50% in this tournament, the rest of the way from three. And I don't think they're holding Houston's offensive rebounding down. So I, I like the Cougars here minus the six. There you go. You know, that prevents me from betting Syracuse at all, even if it was pizza money. I will say one thing, another thing that I kind of like the under, I feel like I'm kind of owed one. Uh, you want to talk about a misleading <laughs> final. I mean, this is one of the ba- baddest. I mean, it wasn't like a last second, you know, full court shot beat you, but with 10 minutes left in the San Diego state Syracuse game, and we're talking about blowout here. So it's not like a bunch of foul free throw shooting in the last two minutes, you know, causes to go over something you see every Saturday in a few games. But with 10 minutes left, the San Diego State Syracuse game was on pace to cover by more than 30 points. Cover. And somehow it lost. I am live on the air doing a show. And I, it's one of those rare times. I mean, I've done it. I hate to say that you, know, you shouldn't do this. It's a rookie move, but I counted it as a win. I mean, I, I was stunned when I came across the final as we're doing the show. and I found out I lost that freaking bet on the under in the Syracuse San Diego state game. I mean, the two teams made their last six threes in the final two minutes, three threes in the final 30 seconds, just, they're just throwing up threes, making them. So to me, that screams a little bit of value on the under here. I'm owed one by the gambling gods. There you go. All right, so let's go to Sunday here. Let's break down these four Sweet 16 games, beginning with the early one, Creighton and Gonzaga. Gonzaga down to 13 and a lot of places out there in the market. So somebody is brave. Somebody's willing to step in front of this Gonzaga team and take Creighton. Big old total in this game of 158. Uh, are you are you one of those brave people back in Creighton here? Yeah, I lean Creighton and the under. Uh, pizza bets. Uh, and I'm not talking fancy where you take the whole family of four out to one of them specialty places in Vegas. I'm talking probably more of, uh, you know, ordering Marco's or Domino's or whatever you prefer, the cardboard pizza. But, yeah, Creighton and, and the under for me, I, I, you talk about old one. You know, Gonzaga had a run out against Oklahoma 8-1 to one, uh, to get the cover there. But I, I just – I think Creighton, now they finally kind of answered that question – uh, you know, I, you thought there was team turmoil with the McDermott comments. Now that they're in the Sweet 16, I'm not sure that that's a big issue at this point. Uh, I, and again, I just, I'm not built 
to lay that kind of number in a sweet 16 round. So I'm always going to look more towards the dog. I will say this though. I am waiting because I saw a lot of pro Gonzaga money come in uh, on you know, right before tip against Oklahoma, where it was one of the very few times where I took a bad number in, in that second round game. I had Oklahoma and I was like a point uh, away from taking the best of the number. And we've seen a lot of anti Creighton money show up so far. So I am not anxious to run to the window to bet Creighton plus 13, 13 and a half at this point. I'm going to wait and hopefully get a better number. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think it's fair to definitely wait here, especially the early game on Sunday. Everyone's going to kind of be interested in playing it and all of that. Look, I mean, here's the thing, right? Gonzaga could win this game by 40. Gonzaga could win this game by eight. You know, it all depends on how Creighton shoots because Creighton, they're, they'll be okay with playing Gonzaga's tempo. I don't think they'll have a big problem with it. They played a lot of slower tempo games in the Big East, but there are some teams that you know don't really like to get up and down the floor in that conference. Yeah. I think they're okay with it. If I'm Greg McDermott, I know my only chance in this game is to shoot like 60% from three because I'm not stopping Gonzaga. I, I'm just, nobody else has done it. I'm not going to be able to do it. So in that respect, it's kind of a high variance game. And in a high variance game like this with a Creighton team that can shoot, likes to shoot jump shots, is familiar with the Hinkle Fieldhouse venue. I could talk myself into taking Creighton plus the points. I, I wouldn't love it. But I mean, this is, this is Creighton's kind of game, you know, where I think that they have a chance to cover it because it's going to go up and down the floor, probably be played to what? 75, 76 possessions, if yeah. not more, if they shoot well, they're in it. If they don't, they're not. And I like to think they could shoot well. Oh, they're 14th and effective field goal percentage. That's not bad. You know, borderline top 50 and three point percentage, you know, two point percentage. They're in the top 10. They're very capable. And <laughs> But, you know, Oklahoma was red hot early to start that game. And I still, you know, uh, you just can't stop Gonzaga. That, that's that's a freight train. Oh, yeah. No, you, you can't stop Gonzaga. And I, I will say this. I mean, you know, depending on your view of Creighton, I mean, based on, you know, like Bart Torvik's team rankings, I mean, Creighton's the third best team Gonzaga's played this year. I I don't know if people, you know, will believe that or not. But, I mean, Creighton's not a bad team. I mean, they're a, they're a hard team to bet on because they shoot so many jump shots and they're God awful at the free throw line. But I mean, maybe Creighton's just kind of better than we think. I I don't know. I think there's still that, you know, stink on them for what went down with McDermott's comments. I think had they not gotten, you know, crushed in the big East championship game by 25 points uh, and McDermott's comments not made national news. I think, I think public perception would be higher on this Creighton team. And because of that, maybe, look, I faded against Creighton the first two rounds, one, one, lost one. But again, at this point, I, I'm not going to be bringing up the McDermott comments uh, other than maybe we can take advantage of people overreacting to it. All right, so we move to the next game here and, and quite possibly the best game of the Sweet 16, Florida State and Michigan. Seeing some Michigan minus two starting to show up out yeah. there a little bit, still some two and a halves in the market. Total has come down to 143 and a half for this one. And Look, I mean, before the tournament even started, this is a spot I had circled. And I said, you know what? I think Florida State beats Michigan. And I thought the line would be three, three and a half. It's, you know, down to two, two and a half now. There's a lot of love and a lot of support for Florida State here. And while I'm not going to back off of my prediction, uh, it does concern me to a degree. Oh, yeah, it does me as well. But I, I'll say this. Uh 
Florida, Florida State's that one non-cover for the Pac-12. So the Pac-12 has basically covered every game. They're 9-1, and one, and they've covered like every game by significant margin, with the one exception being Florida State crushing Colorado. I think you got to circle that. I mean, I'm with you. I, I took Florida State to go to the Final Four in this region, so I'm not going to – you know, back off of that initial gut instinct. I expected the line to come a little bit higher. And, you know, it probably came out what I expected, three and a half. Uh, now you're taking two and a half. <laughs> you're taking the worst of the line. I know most people are not going to bet until game day. I think the line's probably going to close two is my expectation, maybe even one and a half if we really start, if the public also. Right now, I clearly sharp money early in the weeks on, on the Knowles. Can't disagree. They're, you know, they're one of the tallest teams in the country. They got a deep bench. I still think Michigan's vulnerable without Isaiah Livers. I mean, one thing, if you look to exploit Kempom, which is basically the basketball market, I mean, he has Michigan by four, but keep in mind that's with, you know, that's you know not taking Isaiah Livers out of the equation. That's just an efficiency, uh, you know, projected score with Livers playing most of the season. I think he's worth more than a point, point and a half. And because of that, I think there's value on Florida State. You know, and, and exactly what I talked about earlier about the Big Ten, you know, yeah, teams had great turnover percentages, but that was largely because nobody in the conference forced turnovers. Michigan does not force turnovers. 338th in the country in turnover percentage. They had three takeaways against LSU. Three. They were lucky to win that game because of bench contributions and, you know, what some of the guys did for them that don't often play a lot. The role players kind of stepped up for them in that game to help them beat LSU. There is one problem on offense with this Florida State team. It's their turnover rate. They're over 20%. That's not good. But Michigan's not the team to take full advantage of that. And we've seen Big Ten teams fail to take advantage of that already in this tournament. So if I look at that and and I say, look, the one glaring weakness for Florida State, maybe two. They don't take care of the basketball. And for some reason, despite their height, They don't rebound well in the defensive end. I don't know why, but they don't do it. Well, you know what? Michigan's not a great offensive rebounding team, and they don't take the ball away. This is a very difficult matchup for Michigan. I've got to stick with what I said. I've got to stick with Florida State here. And, yeah, the number's not as good now, but, you know, I mean, look, if you're going to play this one, I I feel you just go ahead and take the money line at the best price you can find. Yeah, I I agree with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I pro I I don't know when, when you're I'm not gonna go down I honestly I thought about going down the road you and I have been talking for almost two hours now I'm not gonna I'll bring it up <laughs> hopefully Florida State wins uh and hopefully they're advancing the final four the next time you and I talk that sounds good to me all right so let's take a look here at this UCLA and Alabama game Alabama six and a half point favorite total 145 and a half and you know I thought yesterday's guest Kiev O'Neill asked a really poignant question on this game and he said, you know, look, with, with what UCLA has done here, winning three games in six days, with what the, uh, with what the Pac-12 has done, this number is six and a half. What is this number against Alabama before the tournament begins? Because it sure as hell ain't six and a half. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm guessing it's, I don't know, maybe eight or so. Eight? What was the, the expectation was going to be higher than that? Yeah, I mean, I actually I'm think eight and start, a half, nine. Yeah, eight and a half, nine. I mean, I think the number to bet was obviously four and a half uh, and five. 
I think it's starting now. If it goes to seven, I'm going to take UCLA, even though I, I think maybe the most underrated unit in the entire country is probably Alabama's defense, number three in efficiency. Uh, and yet it's the Alabama three point shooting that usually gets all the credit. I, I mean, look, you got a dead ticket. If Alabama's on from behind the arc because they rely so much heavily on uh, the three point shot, I mean, you're dead. But if they just happen to have an off performance, uh, I think you got, uh, if I can get a seven, that's what I want to take here. I, I actually think that there's going to be some value on UCLA after we've seen this line go up a point, point and a half so far. I just, I look at this UCLA team and, and my question is, and, and I'm not saying that they're short on experience or anything like that, but my question on them is how uncomfortable are they in this game? You know, because they want to play that very, very slow tempo. The thing yeah. that Nick Cronin has done throughout the course of his career, Alabama wants to run. I mean, this is a quintessential pace war here in the sweet 16 and UCLA if they're forced into running, if they're forced into playing a little bit faster than they want to, yeah. how does that go for them? Because they're a good three-point shooting team. Alabama's a top 10 team defensively against the three. So, you know, does UCLA, if this game winds up being played, let's say to 68, 69 possessions, something like that, something much faster than a regular UCLA game, can they keep pace? Are they comfortable enough in their own skin to, you know, find ways to be patient on offense, try to slow the game down. I don't know if they can do that, but I know I've got Nate Oates who's going to look at this game and look at the film for UCLA and try to do anything he can to make this game fast. Can Cronin get his team to keep it slow? I don't know, but it's, again, a very fascinating game. I, I have to look the Alabama side. Not only are they the better team, but I also think the perception of the Pac-12 is so inflated that this number is a little bit cheap. But, you know, again, still a very interesting game that, you know, if you don't have a strong conviction, you don't have to bet it just because it exists. Yeah, it sounds like we're going to talk ourselves into a bet here. Maybe since you're taking mainly favorites and me taking <laughs> mainly dogs, you know, with Florida State being one of the exceptions, I'll propose if the, you know, we got no bet if, you know, the, the dogs split out here 4-4 four, four, or uh, favorites from, from your side of things. Favorites go five and three or better, you win a dinner bet. Dogs go five and three or better, I win mine. Sound fair? That sounds fair to me. All right. I'm good with that. I think that, I think I'm good with that. This one could be the swing game, and maybe that's yeah. why you did this here with Oregon and USC, the late game coming up on Sunday. And USC, two-point favorite for this one, total 139. All right, lay it on me, man. What do you think about this one? And it's a really tough one. Uh, you know, I, I, I hearken back to the, the the matchup that these two teams played back in February uh, the 22nd. It was really down the stretch. It was the only game that Oregon just looked, you know, they looked lost. They looked scared in that game. Uh, is it a matchup issue against USC or was it just, you know, happened to be their one-off performance you know, after they started getting healthy there in, in the early part of February, I'm going to chalk it up to, you know, I think I got the better coach here. And again, I'll chalk it up where, you know, what's this spread if Oregon's healthy all season? Uh, I'm guessing the lines pick them, if not Oregon favorite, uh, just c- considering how well the, the Ducks have played here since February the 6th. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to lean Oregon plus two. I'm also tempted we'll see I'm my expectation after we saw both offenses really light it up in the second round how high does this total go I don't think you can expect 
offensive efficiency from Oregon and USC like you saw in the second round games against Kansas and Iowa. I, I think I'm going to end up talking myself. My preference to bet this game is going to be the under, especially if I can find something close to 140. I mean, the two teams played to 130 in their in their first matchup. So lean Oregon, probably prefer the under, though. The thing that worries me about the total is did Dana Altman just run with Iowa because he saw those defensive weaknesses or has Dana Altman sort of you know, decided to kind of change things up a little bit because he's got a lot of scoring options. Now that this is a healthy team, a lot of scoring options and USC, they don't really want to play a track meet. They kind of want to keep the game around an average tempo, something like that. You know, how does Oregon play this? Because the first game played to 62 possessions and it didn't really work out for Oregon at all. They only had 0.932 points per possession in that game. So did Altman do that as a one-off? Is he maybe trying to confuse teams a little bit, throw something at them that they're not expecting? I don't know. That's the only thing that gives me pause on the under. And look, we know what Altman's been throughout his career. I don't think he's going to try to run with USC here on trying to speed them up. So I do think that the under makes some sense. Familiarity kind of plays a role here too. But that's the one thing, man, is I, I don't know what Dana Altman's capable of. Yeah. And he's very good in the tournament, but so is Andy Enfeld. So I I think it's a good night cap, man. I wish these two teams weren't playing each other because I'd kind of yeah, want to play on them play both. both. Yeah. But, you know, one of them's got to win and one of them's got to lose here. And I will say this. The thing that was interesting to me is that USC was lined a favorite and that the line did go up when everyone has this high perception of healthy Oregon. So again, context clues, maybe that kind of told us all that we need to know. Uh, I'll just, they, it's available on their site for free, but I can tell you why it moved up. I mean, right angle gave out USC <laughs> and then they, uh, of any public handicapping service out there that, that has influence on the markets, right angle sports. So they gave out USC. That probably gives me a little bit of pause on Oregon. That's how much I respect uh, right angle. I honestly, now that I've looked at it, you're right. Dana Altman can flip on a switch. Uh, so it's really tough handicapping what he's a- actually going to do. I mean, head coaches that it's their job can't necessarily figure them out, let alone a, a guy like myself. And you, you, you know, the pause that I have now that I was thinking, uh, you know, betting the under is you're right. They've kind of flipped the script now that they've been healthy. And they have a lot more options offensively. I'm looking at more full season averages. Let's get me to lean towards under, but let their last eight games for Oregon all went over. Uh, so you're right. Now that they've gotten healthy, they, they've been much better and efficient offensively. So I guess I've kind of talked myself into not betting the game. That's what Adam does to you people. I mean, it's tricky. You know, you look at their first game in the PAC 12 tournament, they were perfectly content with playing at Arizona's pace, played to 74 possessions, scored 91 points. They slowed it down against Oregon state and they got beat by 11, you know? So I don't know, maybe Altman kind of looks at this and says, look, maybe our team is optimized more playing a little bit quicker of a tempo. I, I don't know. I mean, it, the guy's brilliant. So if yeah. he wants to change something up here for this game, you know, maybe a live betting opportunity, something like that. But uh, should be a lot of fun here, and it's always a lot of fun chatting with professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. What's going on over at the website right now, dude? Yeah, we talked about it at the very start of our long conversation, which I always enjoy, Adam, but Spring Guide, it's free. Uh, if you want to jump start on college football, you can check that out for free. If you want to sign up for FCS and the rest of the tournament, you can also check that out. It's all available right now at bradpowersports.com.
Yeah, make sure you follow Brad on Twitter at Brad Powers and the number seven as well. And as I was telling you before the show here, man, uh, you know, at one of these times, we're going to just go ahead and record our unfiltered chat uh, before we actually start recording the show. But uh, good talking with you as always, man. Thank you so much for that. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. There you go. There's Brad Powers, professional better and handicapper at Brad Powers and the number seven on Twitter. BradPowersSports.com is the website. To finish out the week here on ATS Radio, I will be talking about the National League West on tomorrow's edition of the Betters Box. Again, a week away from the start of the Major League Baseball season. Check out that 2021 MLB betting guide, whether you do it over at ATS.io or you download the PDF that you can find on my Twitter page at Skating Tripods. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I will talk to you again tomorrow. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.